You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. The triumphant entry of Jesus Christ into the city has always been one of my favorites. I love everything about it. I love the event. I love the, uh, the actions that is taking place by Christ and the fulfillment of Scripture and about the celebration of all of those that are there when Jesus makes his way into the city. But I also love what it's leading up to. It is leading up to, we'll celebrate Easter next Sunday morning, the, uh, the moment that Jesus Christ rose again from the tomb, proving that his work on the cross of Calvary was a finished work and an effective work, and it secured our salvation to every man, every woman that would believe. It's one of the points in Scripture that uh, seems inexhaustible because it's so full of revelation. I find myself in one area and one way that I study is when we come to the subject such as Easter, I will go back and I will look at the Gospels account and begin to read them over and over again. And I always ask the Lord to show me something, a direct point that I should bring out to the people. And God has always been faithful to speak to my heart and do just that. And when we look at at the triumphant entry, it's no different. I look at and I read the gospel's account and God always brings some things out, uh, brings some things uh, uh, to my attention. It'll make you study, but study is good. And so uh, I want to bring some things out, some things you already know, some things you've already heard. Maybe there'll be something this morning uh, that you haven't heard or that you don't know and there's no way that I can cover it all, but my prayer is this morning that we say something that will touch your heart, prick your heart, and edify your faith. Build your faith up in the Lord. That's why we're here this morning. Amen? Amen. To build our faith up in Jesus. And I, this ain't my message this morning, but that's why it's important, important to come to the house of the Lord. We've only got you five, six hours a week, and the world has got you the rest of the time. And I, I want to tell you, we're here Sunday morning, we're here Sunday night, and we're here Wednesday night. And there's no believer yet that ever walked this earth that's so holy that we don't need a little help with our faith. So I encourage you to be faithful to the house of God. That's why we're here this morning is just to edify our faith. The triumphant entry of Jesus Christ, though it is leading up to His resurrection, it is also closing out His earthly ministry as a man. When He closes out His ministry, the only way that His ministry could be closed out is that He fulfilled everything that His Father had sent Him to do. He came to fulfill the law. He came to fulfill the prophecies of Isaiah and the men of old that said, there's one coming. He came to be the seed. He came to be the promise. He came to be the one that would be born of a virgin and the only way that his ministry could be closed out is that he fulfilled everything that God sent him to do. When he said it is finished on the cross of Calvary, one thing that is significant about that is when a master gave his servant orders to carry out a task, that servant wasn't to ask questions. Uh, that servant was to leave his master's house and to go out and perform the task and not return until it was completed. Uh, and when it was completed the servant could come back to his master and the papers back and he said it is finished when Jesus died upon the cross of Calvary he uttered three words John recorded it is finished meaning everything you have sent me to do to bring man back in relationship with me it is finished today praise the Lord 
I always catch something that I missed before and it makes the story as a whole come together even in a little bit more powerful way. You may have to fiddle with that just a little, but my voice is weak, I promise. But I also don't fear to bring out repeated revelation because while we're here, it's things that is too important for us just to pass over. There's people in here this morning that has never heard a message on the triumphant entry of Jesus and I, I there's some things that needs to be said and so I, I don't fear to bring out something maybe that you have already heard or that you already know about. So I'm going to start here and, and go from here, but uh, though we're going to mention it again, we need to know and we need to understand first off that the great event of Jesus coming into the city at the time that he is coming is a fulfillment of the prophecy of the prophet Zechariah, and Zechariah gives that to us in Zechariah 9 and 9. I want to bring that up. I told you we weren't going to have any more, but I want to bring that up. In Zechariah chapter chapter number 9 and verse number 9 we have the fulfillment of this story that is given to us uh, in all of the on uh, all of the uh, gospels in Zechariah chapter number 9 and and verse number 9 I give them just a second to get there it's my fault I didn't give it to them ahead of time but in Zechariah 9 and 9 he gives us this prophecy of Jesus coming into the city rejoice greatly o daughter of zion shout o daughter of jerusalem Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation. Lowly, riding upon an ass and upon the colt, the foal of an ass. This is the prophecy. Leave it right there for just a moment. I want to bring out just a couple of things. Also, this prophecy is one of the few stories that is recorded in all four of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are synoptical. John emphasized on the coming of Christ and the coming of the Holy Spirit. But John also would record this great prophecy, the triumphant entry of Jesus Christ. John emphasized that in all in his gospel, and he mentioned it over and over and over again. And it's very significant to say this. Uh, Zechariah, let me say this. Uh, Zechariah said, your king cometh. That's in there. Thy king cometh. The book of Zechariah, or it's also in the book of Matthew. Matthew says he's going to be king. The whole book of Matthew signifies and emphasize how Jesus would be king. Zechariah said he's just. Uh, the gospel of Luke said he's just. He tells us that he is a righteous God, a righteous judge that would be coming. Uh, Zechariah said he's lowly. Mark represented Jesus as a lowly servant. He came to serve us. Uh, he served us salvation when we couldn't serve ourselves. Uh, and then John says uh, he is God. Uh, when the Word of God says he had salvation, there is only one that has salvation, and that is Jesus Christ. Uh, John said he's coming, having salvation. Salvation. Behold the Lamb of God that take away the sins of the world. Uh, John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, that's me and you, would believe upon Him would not perish but have everlasting life. John 14 and 6 says, uh, Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, uh, and I am the life, and everyone that comes unto me shall not be ashamed. He's God. He had salvation. He is salvation. And I love this. Watch this. Zechariah told the people, and he's telling us today, your king comes to you. 
Your king comes to you. Where are you at today? Your king comes to you. As they came to the leper that was outside of the camp, he walked out of the camp to get you. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know how low. I don't know how high. I don't know how bound. I don't know how depressed. But I want you to know our King Jesus will roll his sleeves up and he will come and rescue you today. That's the prophecy. He said he comes to you. I've been on it the last couple of weeks, but he's still coming for those that will believe upon him. Listen, I say this over and over again. I hope I don't miss a service and forget to say this because I mean it. And I don't say it for just those that are here this morning, but for those that are watching live or maybe they'll pass by it and catch this phrase later on. But I want you to know you put me to the test. You try me. You come. You talk to me. I mean with all of my heart what I'm about to say. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. Jesus Christ can save anybody and every Everybody from anything and everything. You're not too low. You're not too far gone. You're not too lost. You're not too bad. You're not too far down. Jesus loves you this morning and He'll save you if you believe upon Him. Praise the Lord. Salvation has come to you. Verse number 12. If you'll go back to our text, please, in verse number 12. In verse number 12, on the next day, most people were come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. There were three feasts during this time, and all three feasts were a type of Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary. If you're taking notes, if you look at this later, it's a good thing to write down. Specifically, the Passover feast was the one that drawed everybody's attention because it was the feast that rode their sins forward. They celebrated that. The three feasts pointed to Jesus Christ. First of all, we have the Passover feast, which was a type of Calvary. It was a type of the blood on the doorpost. As God told His children in the bondage of Egypt, if you'll take the, the blood, strike it on the doorpost uh, and upon the lintel, upon the hedge, uh, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. The Passover feast is still a type of the blood being applied to the heart and life of anybody that will believe upon Jesus. I want you to know this morning uh, when God sees the blood. How do I get the blood applied over? Somebody needs to hear me this morning because if the blood is not applied to your life, death is coming for you uh, and death will hold you and you will be forever separated from God. Uh, but Jesus said, when I see the blood, uh, oh, I will pass. Uh, the death angel will pass. Uh, how do I get the blood upon my life? I place my faith in Jesus and what He done for me on the cross of Calvary. And God uh, applies the blood to my life calls me holy and righteous and I am placed in a right standing with God the second feast we see is the unleavened feast the unleavened feast is a, is a, it meant sinless and spotless. Isaiah uh, began, prophesied about this, how that he would be the sinless and spotless lamb that would be offered up for the sins of the world. Uh, the third feast uh, is the first fruits uh, feast, which represented his resurrection. Uh, his resurrection, him coming back to life, all of them again are about Jesus Christ. Uh, the life was sinless. Uh, his death, he shed his blood. His resurrection, 
was victory over death and over the grave. Uh, Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 15 and 54, Hey, death has been swallowed up in victory because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. It's all about Jesus. There's only one that can save. There's only one that was sinless. There's only one that could die and be resurrected again. There's only one way to heaven. There's only one. And Jesus defeated death upon the cross of Calvary. Verse number 13. I'm going to try to slow down and teach a little. But I ain't making no promises. Verse number 13. He took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him. He cried, Hosanna is the king of Israel who cometh in the name of the Lord. In verse number 13, we have the waving of the palm trees. The waving of the palm trees was done to welcome a conqueror. It was a, it was a uh, tradition that they did, all of it, to welcome a conqueror. All of this happened, now I want you to think about this, all of this happened immediately after Jesus calls Lazarus from the tomb. He had been dead for four days. They'd never seen anything like this before. Elijah, Elisha, nobody ever before compared to anything like this. He was dead for four days. He had a conversation with Martha and said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Oh, we know that he will. Don't you know your brother will live again? We know that he will live again in the end. No, you don't understand yet. I'm the resurrection and the life. And I don't think the church as a whole understands that. I don't care if your body goes to sleep. As a believer that dies in Christ, the Bible says to be absent from this life is to be present with the Lord. We do not have to taste the sting of death. Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Paul would preach. And I want you to understand and know that this morning. The waving of the palm leaves was done to welcome a great conqueror. And it was done right after the resurrection of Lazarus. There was a great multitude that came around when Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave and he came up. He didn't come up walking, he was bound. But by the power of God, he rose up out of the grave. He rose up. <laughs> you know, the Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first. They're not going to have to try. I don't mean to bring up anything that's sorrow. If what I'm about to say brings up sorrow, you're not, you're not believing in the resurrection of the body. There's nobody going to have to break forth, or break a tomb open, break a vault open. They're not going to have to dig their way out. When Jesus calls, all of a sudden the dead in Christ, even the sea's going to give up his dead. They're going to start to rise up everywhere. And they're going to meet Jesus. Jesus in the air and those that are alive and remain we're going to watch them as they rise up and then we're going to be caught up to meet Jesus in the air oh the bride is is going to be ready to receive the groom and the groom is going to be ready to receive the bride when we get on that glorious day praise the Lord the waving of the palm trees all of this happens after Lazarus came out of the tomb but they never seen anything like it a man that was dead for four days. And they really don't understand the extent of all that he was to conquer coming into the city. They thought, according to history, I want you to think about this. That Jesus is about to come into Rome. Overthrow the leadership and the rule of Rome. Overthrow it. And set up and establish his kingdom. They waved palm trees. Oh, he was a conqueror, all right. But what he was about to conquer was something greater than Rome. 
Because when he would go to that cross and give his life and shed his blood, he was going to conquer sin and death and ultimately Satan. Now, i got to slow down and say this. He was greater than Rome that he was conquering. It was greater than anything that they imagined that he was about to conquer. And sin that he conquered is greater than anything today that we could ever list to be conquered. Listen to me. I don't care what bondage that you have deep down in your heart. I don't care what you suffer with that nobody else knows about. If Jesus could conquer sin, everything else that you can think about today is a byproduct. It's a byproduct of sin. If he can conquer sin, let me tell you something. He's right for whatever's wrong in your life. He's right for whatever is wrong in your life. Because in a few days, he would conquer death and he would conquer the grave. Jesus was the conqueror. And by faith in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 37 says that we are more than a conqueror. He hadn't asked you to go to the cross. He hadn't asked you to atone for your own sins. He's asked you to believe in something he's already done for us. We are more than a conqueror. Jesus paid the price, but we get to reap the benefits of everything that he's done. And they cried out, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. Which means save us now. Hosanna. Save us now. Blessed is the king. That come. In the name of the Lord. It was a celebration. It was a time the whole multitude was shouting. They were excited. They were happy because their king was coming. They recognized him as the one. That they have been looking for. Verse number 14 and verse number 15 together please. If you can. And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon as it is written. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, thy king cometh, setting on an ass's colt. The riding of the young ass, or as we know it, the young donkey, was symbolic through the text and a type of this moment right here several times through the text, but I'm only going to give you three. In Genesis chapter number 22, Abraham, Sister Tiffany Owens, they're not here with us this morning, out of town, but sure they'll be here tonight, sang of, Sister Tiffany sang about it a couple of weeks ago and blessed this church, amen? Abraham would take his son to the bottom of a mountain, getting ready to take him up on top of the mountain to sacrifice him. Isaac was a type of of what Jesus Christ would do for us and the, uh, the uh, ram, I'm stuttering, the ram that was caught in the thicket was a type of the substitution that Jesus was for all of us that believe upon him. But Abraham would carry him to the bottom of that mountain on a young donkey. That's how he got there, Genesis chapter number 22. I encourage you to check me later. Genesis chapter number 22. The first thing that we see when Jesus comes riding in on this young donkey is that all the way back to Genesis chapter number 22, he is representing, I'm about to be the substitution for everybody that would believe upon me. Listen, if somebody has got to go to the cross and die, and somebody volunteers to be your substitution, I'm afraid I'd take him up on his offer. Amen? 
And then as Genesis chapter number 49, verses 10 through 12, or more specifically 11 and 12, Jacob would prophesy to Judah. It was through Judah, his son, that the lineage of Jesus Christ would come. And he would prophesy to Judah, and he would say, you take this young donkey, you will take this young donkey, and you will tie it to a vine. And that vine that you tie it to, that donkey will be washed in the blood of that vine. Meaning that the grapes would be so much and squished so much that it would look like blood over that donkey. I want you to know this is prophetic in what Jesus would do because Jesus would shed His blood. And if you are washed in the blood of the Lamb, you are in a right standing with God. And then the third thing that I want to say to you was that in Numbers chapter number 22, Balaam had a donkey. He was riding that donkey down the way, and as he was riding that donkey, the donkey all of a sudden ran out to a field. Balaam was mad, and he put him back on the, on the trail, and I would have been like Balaam and put him right back on the trail. He got back on the trail, and all of a sudden the donkey uh, uh, jumped. And when he jumped, and they were in a vineyard, or getting close to a vineyard, and it smashed Balaam's foot against the wall. It squashed him. Balaam jerks him back around again, and then all of a sudden uh, uh, the donkey down the trail just bows down. And Balaam gets off and takes his sword and begins to beat his donkey. And the Lord spoke through that donkey and said, Why are you striking me? Have I not carried you everywhere you want to go? I've never done wrong. I've done everything that you've asked. You have no reason to strike me. He said, you have embarrassed me. Three times you have jumped out of the way. And Baal the donkey said, yes, but now you see what I see. The angel of the Lord is trying to stop you and turn you in a different direction. It was the angel of the Lord in the first place, in the second place, in the third place. And Baal finally seen it. I want you to know that donkey spoke prophecy by speaking judgment to all of God's people. Why do you reject Jesus? Why do you turn Jesus away? Why are you mad at the Lord? Does He not love you? Has He not proven that love by going to the cross and dying for you? All He wants is good for you. All He wants is to save you and to heal you and to love you. We have no reason to reject the work of the Lord. Have no reason to reject it. All of this. And the prophecy of the donkey. Judgment was coming. Riding the donkey showed that he was humble. Humility there, but also of great power. Well, how does that show great power? We just will come back from a, a trail ride. There wasn't no donkeys there, but there were some mules. Forgive me if you're a mule lover, but uh, I broke a mule once. I tempted. In return, he broke me too. And I vowed, as long as my legs are good, I think I'll stay away from a mule. I'm not a mule man. I just don't care for a mule. Riding my horse through there, and you see all kinds of mules. I'm thinking, these poor people, have they not ever seen a good quarter horse? They got a donkey here. Can't see over their ears. But here's a young donkey. They're much like a young colt. And the reason I say that it showed great power is 
They went and got this young donkey that had never yet been set upon. They throw their garments on him and made a saddle. These guys know what I'm talking about. And Jesus gets up on this young donkey to ride it into the city. And here they are with palm leaves. I wish I had my palm leaf. And they're waving palm leaves. Let me tell you something. I got a colt at home that will take flight. I'm out of here. See you later. He's gone. You don't get upon a young donkey or a young colt that has never been rode and ride through a band of people that is waving palm leaf. Well, you don't do it if you're in your right mind. But the power in the anointing of Jesus. <laughs> My Lord. Calmed this young donkey so much that he mellowed out and he just done what he was told. Listen. God can take the wildest, most rebellious spirit and the anointing of the Holy Spirit can humble them to the place that they will cry, Jesus, have mercy upon me. I want to just tell you, and it's not part of my service, but it's in my, my, my message, but in my spirit. Don't, don't quit praying for your family. Don't give up on your husband. Don't give up on your wife. Don't give up on your children. I don't care what they're saying. I don't care how they're acting. I don't care how mean and how rotten they get. Listen, the anointing of the Holy Spirit can calm the wildest, most rebellious, most ornery. Can I say that? Most ornery individual there is. Keep praying for them. Keep believing. You already got God on your side. He's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. He's never been written. So the anointing calmed this animal down. The second thing that I want you to see here about him setting up on this young donkey is the people believed that he came, and I brought this out earlier, to destroy the power of Rome, but his mission was so much greater. Little do they know that when they nailed him to the cross, the very foundation of the world would be shaken. And when the first drop of blood streamed down him, <laughs> the way was paved for anybody and everybody to escape death and hell and to be saved and be with Jesus forever. Paul said, death is swallowed up in victory. And his victory is my victory. His victory is my victory. And when he comes back, I'm coming back. And the second coming, I'm coming back with him. And I want you to know this morning, I'm going to read it, but I want you to understand this. When Jesus comes back the next time, he's not coming back on a donkey. The Bible prophesied, John said, and I saw heaven open up. And behold, a white horse, and he who sat up on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he does judge, and he makes war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head are many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but himself. He was clothed with a vesture that was dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies that's which are in heaven followed him upon white horses. That's us. That's the time to shout. That's me. That's you. Uh, they were clothed in fine linen, white and clean, meaning uh, they were saved. Uh, they were righteous they were holy made whole by the blood of Jesus Christ 
He's not coming back on a donkey. Listen, he's not going to a whipping post again. They're not going to mock him ever again. They will not pluck his beard. They will not place a crown of thorns upon him. They will not rip his garment and gamble for it. He will not be crucified and nailed to a cross. He will not have to give up the ghost again. They don't need to borrow a tomb for him ever again. I want you to know when he comes back, he's coming back in power and authority and to set up His kingdom forever and forever. Amen and amen. Now, another thing i got to bring out about this donkey, and I'm watching the time, I promise. Jesus defeated all sin, but another detail we need to see is that Matthew, Mark, and Luke says that there was the foal and his mama. Watch this. There was two. There was a foal and his mama. Jesus said, I'll ride upon the, the foal. Because the anointing would break that foal. Watch this. He led the mama. Now I know you can't just separate a mama from its baby. But Williams, a Bible scholar that I trust, brings out this fact. And I can't recall, I believe the scripture, Psalms 118, but I'm not 100%. That by leading his mama, the mama without a rider. Let me tell you something. If I go riding and my horse comes back without me because they're going to come back home, my wife's going to be a little worried. She knows something happened. Something happened. My dad knew when we were kids, if a horse came back, Go try to find the trails that we were riding in because something happened. You don't just let your, I'm riding because I like to ride him. I don't want to get out there and let him go and let him walk on. I don't want to do that. We've been before with people, a horse came back and all of a sudden people are searching for him in a hurry because they expect something happened. Here's a mama comes without a rider. And the, the type here is there's a caution here. And what it meant was is that this mama was a type of Israel who he came for. Should have been with him and riding for him. But by him leading that mama. Should have been with me. I came for him. But he got an empty rider. Got an empty horse. Because they chose not to come. I just want to ask you this morning. If Jesus was riding on his donkey and he was had your donkey. Would you be in the saddle? Or would your saddle be empty? Would you be riding or would your, your donkey be empty? Just as it's a caution to us today, listen, it ought to be a caution to you right now. You, you don't want an empty saddle. You don't want an empty saddle. You want to be with him. That was a type of being all alone. And one last thing, and it's one of my favorites. They took his garments they made us, Matthew, Mark, and Luke says, I'm looking at Matthew, Mark, and Luke here. Made garments, put their set, made a saddle. And the rest of them, one of my favorite parts, is that not only were they waving palm leaves, but everybody that came, a gar, again, a garment was a, well, it identified you. You had a garment that was different than anybody else, and it was your identification. You see it laying out somebody where they would know that it was your garment. And the Bible says, when they came, when he came, 
that not only were they waving palm trees saying conquer, but people saw him coming afar off. And when they saw him coming, people automatically began to take their garment off. And they said, let me just lay it in the way. And he laid his garment down for him to walk over it. And all of this meant the people that got in line here was the people that Jesus had touched personally. And this signified, he's done so much for me. I want to lay my garment in the way to make sure that he rides over my garment. I bet you blind Bartimaeus was there. I bet you the leper that he cleansed said, let me get my garment out there on the road. I bet you Lazarus that he just raised from the dead said, I'll take my garment off for him. I wondered this morning how many would say, I'll take my garment off for him. I'll let him walk on me, uh, on my garment for a little while. I want people to know that I have joined myself to Jesus Christ. He has saved me. He has touched my family, performed miracles in my family. He's healed my body. Come on this morning. How many here would take their garment off and say, Jesus, uh, walk on my garment. Come on, I want to see your hand. You take your garment off and say, right here. I want him to know that, that he's welcome to walk on mine because he's done so much for me that I can't help. Myself. And verse number 16, and I'll hush. These things understood not his disciples at the first. But when Jesus was glorified, they remembered that these things were written of him and that they had done these things unto him. I started off this message by telling you, making a statement. That oftentimes I go back and read story over and over. The Lord always illuminates something to me that maybe I haven't seen. And something that sticks out in my spirit. And verse number 16 is just that. It was quite a celebration. Give me just a few more minutes. It was quite a celebration. People shouting. People laying their garments down. People waving palm leaves. People crying, Hosanna. Hosanna, blessed be the king that comes in the name of the Lord. No doubt that this man they called Jesus was different. He was like no other that they'd ever seen. He was like no other that had ever come before him. And he's like no other that will ever be behind him. He was different. But verse number 16 says this. They didn't understand what was going on until it was over. Now, how sad is that? They didn't understand until it was over. Until he was raised from the dead and glorified, then all of a sudden they have one of them, oh, yeah, moments. I want you to think about that. They were remembered. All of it was coming together. But all of it came together after it already happened. What a dangerous place to be, especially today. To not know and to be aware of what's going on until it already happened. Church, what I'm about to say is very, very important. To not know what is going on until it already happened is to be left undone without Jesus. There's a phrase that stuck in my mind, Brother 
Larson used it as a, as a title to a message. And he said, the final altar call. And I believe that God has given the world the final altar call now. We are living in a world, come on, nobody thought we'd see what we'd seen five years ago. We'd have never thought we'd have been here. When the world is legalizing sin, and they don't understand by legalizing sin, they are tearing down the sacred covenants that God gave to us in Scripture. The world is calling good evil and calling evil good. We're arguing and confused on who's a boy and who's a girl because sin just makes us ignorant. Nobody thought that we would be here. Do you know what's happening? All of the prophecies that talk about the coming of Christ have already been fulfilled. At any moment, listen, at any moment, before I ever even pray, Jesus could break those clouds and shout with a great shout. Well, I've heard that all my life. I don't care. You're closer now than you was yesterday. And it's not worth taking a gamble on of, well, you know, it's probably not going to happen. Probably not. Listen, this is not something like you, you want cherry or you want grape Kool-Aid. This is life or death. We are here, church. We are here, world. If you, if you watch later alive, we're here now. The world is after your children. They've restricted the way that you can parent. The world is after the church and the freedom to come together and worship. We want to worship still when we want to. We ought to be having extra services. That is your vote to keep the house of God open when you are faithful and show up to the house of God. I want you to understand we're living in times that we never imagined. It's here. It's here. It's here. And how sad it would be, verse 16, that we realize that what preachers have been saying all over the world, what they have been saying, oh yeah, this is true, this did happen. You don't want to realize that Jesus is coming back after it's already too late. Well, you're trying to scare me. I'm not trying to scare you this morning. If you know anything about me, you know better than that. I'm not trying to scare you into salvation. I will preach the love of Christ, uh, how that Jesus didn't come to condemn you, how that Jesus came out of the camp to get you. Uh, I will preach that Jesus, is, His hand is stretched out still. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to tell you that the very fact that you're still here and that the rapture has been held off proves that God is a God of mercy and He hasn't called the church home yet. It's only by His mercy that we're still here. And the Lord has given us a final altar call to call anybody, whosoever will, back to Him. No, I don't know where you're at. But there's coming another great triumphant entry. And just like the disciples didn't realize everything that was happening until it was all over, there's a triumphant entry that's coming when Jesus comes in the clouds. 
And I'm trying to tell you this morning, open the eyes of your heart and see that it's here and it's coming. That's my message this morning. It's here and he's coming. And he's returning back for all of those that have placed their faith in Christ. And listen, if you know Jesus this morning, that shouldn't be a, a moment for you to say, well, I'm already, I already know Jesus. This ought to be a moment to say, well, I better get all my family while I can. Because soon and very soon, we're going to see the King. So I want to ask you, I'll end with this as Brother Jeff's coming. If he came through here this morning, riding on the colt, the foal of an ass of a donkey, and he's leading another one. Would you climb aboard by faith? Or would you let him walk on and realize what he was doing after he already came by you? Would your donkey, would it have a rider? Or would you let him go by? Would you stand with me this morning? Father, I love you this morning. God, I'm thankful for your grace. I'm thankful for your mercy, and I'm thankful for your love. God, I'm thankful for the moving of the Holy Spirit that we have felt in this service. However, thank God that you've already done, Lord, and all of the hearts that you've already touched. But God, we're here this morning. Next week, we will celebrate your resurrection, Lord, as a, as a congregation, as a whole. But Lord, today, we look at that triumphant entry. We look at the significance, Lord, and we look at the prophecy of it, Lord. God, the thing that sticks in my heart this morning is they didn't realize what was going on until it was already over. But this morning, I'm praying, Lord, that the power of the Holy Spirit would move upon somebody's heart and that they would realize this morning that Satan is here to kill, steal, and destroy. Satan, walking about this earth, seeking whom he may devour, the enemy has tried to blind. The enemy has tried to fool. The enemy will tell us there's a more convenient time. And God, if he can keep us in that more convenient time until you pass by, Lord, then he has us. But I'm praying this morning, Lord, I plead with you. Let somebody see that now is the time, that today is the day of salvation, Lord. I pray, God, that you would move upon somebody's heart. God, you will save anybody and everybody, whosoever will, that they'll come and drink from the water of life freely. And that water still flows this morning. I ask you one more time with your head bowed and your eyes closed. By faith, have you climbed aboard the donkey? Or are you allowing him just lead him right on by? Is your donkey got a rider? Or is he bare this morning? Don't realize it after he's already gone. Don't realize it after he's already made his way. I just come to ask you a heart question. I don't know where you're at. Only you and God knows. I don't care if you're here every Sunday. I still don't know where you're at. I'm easily fooled. I'm a man. 
But God knows and you know this morning. So I came to ask you. Has your donkey got a rider this morning? Have you climbed aboard by faith? Are you going to have an oh yeah moment and wake up later? Say I should have got aboard. If you're here this morning. And you say that's me. I want to climb aboard this morning by faith. I don't want this next entry to pass me by. I don't want it to catch me off guard. Every man, woman, boy, and girl is accountable this morning. I want to ask you to do something. If you're here this morning, you say, that's me. I need to climb aboard. I just need to climb aboard by faith. Would you slip your hand up and right back down? Thank you, God, for this one. Thank you, God, for this one. Anybody else? Nobody's looking around. This is between you and God. Nobody's going to stand before you when you stand before the Lord. This is between you and God. Have you climbed aboard by faith? Or if Jesus came leading by, would your donkey be without a rider? Come on, this is your moment. This is your opportunity. If you're here this morning, I've already had a couple raise their hand. If you're here and you say, that's me. By faith, I need to get back on. Would you slip your hand up and right back down real quickly? I'm not going to embarrass you. Thank you, God, for this one. Thank you, God, for this hand. Anybody else? Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Now's your moment. My Lord, I feel the presence of the Holy Ghost. Believers pray this morning. Come on, you're here and you say, I'm not sure. It's not worth taking a chance on. You'll be sure when you're looking at the backside of that donkey and the Lord's already passed by. I know I'm using a redneck illustration, but it's in my spirit this morning. Come on, you say, I'm here. I need to take stirrup and climb aboard one more time. If that's you, would you slip your hand up and write back down real quickly. Real quickly. I'm going to pray for you this week. Anybody else real quickly? Thank you, God. I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. If you were blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you and God bless you and your family.